Hello and welcome to Confidently Wrong, a show by regular dudes talking with confidence about content we have no right to speak about with any kind of authority, but do it anyway. I'm Wesley Nakamura, and as always, I'm joined by award-winning director Brian Redondo and Savan Jones, aka Captain Bonnie. This is episode 118, and we take a look at the latest season of Black Mirror and how it reflects our worst tendencies as a society. I'm confident that it's going to be the best show you've ever listened to, and well, hey, if it's not, you can always ask us for a refund. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Confidently Wrong. It's so good to see you guys. How are y'all? We are here. Good. Ooh. How are you? <laughs> Someone just looking at the ceiling. No, I'm looking out the window. You saying how I'm doing? I'm asking because um, y'all know y'all know about them Canadian wildfires up by me right now, huh? Yeah. How's that going? Bro, bro, like the smog is for real, for real. Like when I'm looking out my window, you know, I can see the skyline. The other day, it was actually like smoke. It was like yeah, smoggy. Like I an Iron Legend, like in there, huh? Y'all, it's, it's wild. Like you know, Michigan's not burning up here, but the smoke is coming down here. So you ask how I'm doing? I'm doing great, but I'm inside and. I'm hoping this stuff clears up because summer. And is everything sepia toned out there? I cannot go outside. Not even sepia toned. It's just, you know, it looked like a 1950s movie, just black and white. <laughs> no color. And we know how you feel no about color. black and white movies. <laughs> Bruh, I'm. Come Savon, on, man. Those things Savon's are crowned with the outside now. You couldn't. You couldn't pay me to watch. If I see a movie that does black and white as a creative decision, I'm just like, this is not the creative. We're just talking about that Black Mirror episode, Metalhead. That's my biggest issue with the episode. Why the <laughs> F is this in black and it white? It needs to be. One, I it's so much more it intense because it's black and white. No, it's dumb. <laughs> I have photoreceptors that process color. Use them joints. <laughs> oh, maybe it's because it's Fair about enough. mechanical right. dogs and dogs don't perceive color. That's that's why. There we go. Uh, okay, got it. I think they do actually perceive some color. Brian, is it is it also fiery, uh, smoky in New York right now? Or are you guys cleared up a little bit? It is. The air quality index says that it is like 150, whereas the normal number, I think, should be around like 40 or 50 or something like that. Oh, that's like but way, way beyond. This pales in comparison to a few weeks ago when New York definitely did have the sepia filter on and we were hitting yeah i saw all those pictures that was crazy we were hitting like 400 and even in some sub- subway son. stations where the air was getting trapped underground they were hitting 600 so oh Damn. you know don't breathe that in don't breathe that in uh, it was it was weird it was Lord. like mask outside and then unmask inside inversion of the pandemic <laughs> like the old nice uh, the old like the olden days <laughs> like the olden days. <laughs> yeah. All right. So well, we, mass used to be not political. We, <laughs> we talked about Black Mirror. Um, and we actually ended up uh, at the behest of one Savon Jones. Uh, Thank we, you. Yeah. We tackled a couple of Black Mirror episodes. Um, my only experience with Black Mirror has been these two episodes. I've never seen another one. My sister has, has tried to get me to watch some in the past. Uh, but I haven't even seen Stranger Things, and that's the one she's also been trying to get me to see. She's like, there's no reason why you wouldn't like that show. And I like 
I believe her. I just have no real impetus or interest in, in watching it. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Black Mirror. Bad brother. So what? <laughs> Black Mirror season six. We're doing Black Mirror season six. Hey, shout six. out to shout First out to Alexis episodes. though. When this comes out, she'll be married. Uh, so congrats to her and Matt. Uh, we're recording hey. this before the the mar- the wedding, so I don't know how it went. Hopefully, it's going to be great and beautiful and happy. And if not, well, whatever. It'll still be a great time, uh, and they'll still be married, so that'll be good. Um, so Black Mirror episode one and two, season six. But what is Black Mirror? Because it's it's kind of these stand as far as I can tell, it's these standalone, you know, fifty minute ish uh, episodes or hour episodes. But I don't I don't know what ties these all together. Why are they? What do they have in common? Savan, can you tell us what's what's the thread here? Yeah, so Black Mirror, named so because it's meant to be indicative of the reflections of our phone screens, being an actual Black Mirror, is an anthology series. So for those who don't know, an anthology series is every episode is just completely independent of itself. Sometimes they have subtle references to others, but never in a way that's significant to the actual story. They're more so just Easter eggs, right? And so the biggest theme about Black Mirror is a blend of, in some seasons, a little bit of science fiction, but ultimately, it's almost like an X-Files take on our relationship with media and technology. And so some episodes will focus more on how technology has changed our lives and what are the implications of that, which maybe is more so the case in the first episode, right, that we're going to discuss Joan is Awful. And then there's others that or more so about our relationship with media and how our consumption of media matters, which is more so the second episode, or for some of our OG Black Mirror fans, even the very first episode about the Prime Minister and the Pig, right? There's no sci-fi there. It's entirely just about media and how we perceive it and uh, consume it. And so every episode, if you look for that theme, that'll usually be the common thread slash theme that you'll see. The ramifications of technology how media and technology can be used in powerful, abusive, and pervasive ways, and then how regular people's lives can be impacted by it, and then it just tells those really cool stories. The biggest thing, though, is that there's never, even the most out-there episodes, there's never a supernatural tie. It's always grounded in either really, like, in really, in, like, near-future science technology that's, like, somewhat grounded, or just straight up, hey, this could plausibly happen in real life, uh, it's just its own little self-contained event. And so, it's fiction. It's not like Social Dilemma where it's kind of documentary style or like fact-finding style. It's everything is a fictionalized story. Is that right? Yeah. These are completely original, made-up <laughs> stories. They're not like, I mean, they might be loosely based, but it's not like, oh, this is an adapted from a thing that actually happened. These are almost entirely all original, completely new stories with their own like actors and folks. Awesome. Brian, did you want to add anything to what Black Mirror is for people who haven't seen it? I think uh, another way that I think about it is uh, it's the live action version of Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, so uh, because yeah, I mean, it's an yeah, anthology series, you can you can jump around. You like I have not seen all of Black Mirror, but I tend to you know if I'm in the mood, I'll just like scroll through all the different episodes and just like pick one off of the shelf. And give it a watch. And I think all of them (laughs) usually have like an interesting idea going on. And uh, because it's an anthology series, they all have their own tone, right? Like some of them are a lot campier or some of them are more humorous. Some of them are very serious. Some of them are thrillers. Uh, We were talking about the black and white episode. Like that's a straight up chase movie in an hour. (laughs) Uh, And so you, you get 
you get this like smorgasbord of stuff like it's it's like going to like one of those crazy asian buffets where the the spaghetti is right next to the egg rolls and uh <laughs> and i think it's it, you know it's very satisfying because of that so yeah like frog legs next um, to the pizza well yeah if you if you don't want A the lot. animated stuff from love death and robots and you want real actors like black mirror is it very good. All right. Well, let's talk about season six, episode one. Its title is Joan is Awful. This will have spoilers in it. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, we'll try and save it more towards the second half of the discussion. Uh, but there there are some spoilers that are going to occur here. So um, this episode in some ways centers around AI content, around abuse of I think like terms of service and you know abuse of someone's likeness and things like that and around like negative reinforcement and the way that that sells um how did we how did we feel about sort of the the technology social commentary aspect of of this episode Brian where were you on this one um especially given that you had asked us if there was anything uh, AI based and and Savan said oh well let's let's watch this episode yeah, so in our last episode yeah, of Conflict and Wrong, <laughs> in which we talked about Secret Invasion, we did not bring up the intro of Secret Invasion, which is AI-generated art, right? And we, we've also on this podcast have talked about uh, AI art generators, uh, you know, when they first started hitting, right? And now they're being incorporated into the, you know, into the mainstream content that we're consuming. And so... Uh, this first episode of Black Mirror, Joan is Awful, is is really fascinating thinking about, okay, like, how far can you go with AI content? Um, and I, you know, I think, like, the episode really hinges on, like, some of these crazy ideas. Uh, and I, you know, I think it's, it's pretty fascinating because, you know, like, if, if in fact we merged uh AI generated content with deep fakes, which is essentially what what the the streamberry is doing in this episode, the Netflix analog here. You know, creating <laughs> streamberry. Stream creating or she calls it. Crafting crafting AI generated stuff about your your own life that is being spit out at you. Um and, but with famous people, like that that is just like such a bonkers idea, but you know <laughs> you know, like somebody's working on that. Like somebody is trying to make that happen. And, <laughs> and uh, if someone like, can make it happen, they would. <laughs> if, like, I'm sure you guys have heard of like these Jay Z songs that have come out, but it's it's an AI generated voice of Jay Z, right? Um, and if you listen to these tracks, and if you had no idea that they're AI generated, you'd be like, "Oh my god, Jay Z hasn't sounded this good in years." Um, but then you realize it's it's completely it's a it's a deep fake essentially, um, and so we're reaching this point in society where like we're on the cusp of getting that on a massive scale, and at at crazy high level of quality, right? So if we're getting that in song form, there's a future in which we we're gonna get that in TV prestige drama form, and that's what Jonah's awful is about, right? Uh, so you know I think it's. It's a very fascinating idea, but it's it's also kind of terrifying at the same time. 
Uh, and I imagine a future where we kind of maybe we don't go so far as Jonah's awful because it's it's like a pretty, um, you know, they take it to an extreme where it's kind of disgusting. Uh, but we're gonna get some version of that uh, in our real lives, no doubt. Like people are like actors are gonna get resurrected and being put in stuff, and you know, uh, like they already are in some ways, right? Like we get de-aged Mark Hamill in uh in the mandalorian yeah you know <laughs> yeah we also get tupac on stage at coachella like this stuff is is out there and <laughs> hologram uh, there's just gonna be more of it yeah i i feel like i'm of a couple different minds i mean in most for the most part i feel like i'm pretty anti-ai generated content whether it's art or music or uh shows tv right and and i think part of that is the romantic notion of what artists and creative creators are making that there's some kind of like magic that's happening in their brain and their experiences and all of that coming together to form whatever it is that they make and that that there's some folks who are for whatever reason more skilled at it more practiced at it uh are are just great at producing good stuff that I want to watch or I want to listen to or I want to see. And, you know, if it's AI generated, you know, how how much of that is going to be either watered down or to the point where it's like, oh, everything kind of feels like it's ju- it's like like the thing, but it isn't the thing um, because it was trained on, you know, real artists or real creatives or, or real work. And so it's doing its best to like mimic it but isn't creating its own new thing right and so you wouldn't get something like everything you know or what is it everything everywhere all at once um you know just sort of like off the wall ridiculousness right like doesn't come up or something that's new and a new way of looking at something Mm -hmm. you know inception how mind-blowing that was to see it for the first time that doesn't necessarily come out of something ai generated because some nothing like that has ever been done before and part of part of the creative world feels in my head like in the romantic nature of my head is that like there should be folks who are you know like perfecting forms but there should also be people pushing envelopes into things that haven't been done before and i want to see both of those things exist in the world and there's something nice about knowing somebody like spent their time and love and energy making it and not to say that like Making content with AI's help right now doesn't require a lot of time and energy and and whatever. It's just different, you know. And so, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm of two minds of it. I understand it could be used as a tool to help artists do things in a maybe a more streamlined way to get them to their vision faster. But there also is some of it that I'm like, ah, it just feels like not cheating, but maybe cheating is the right word. I don't know. It just feels like a shortcut that that takes away some of the the love and the the soul that I want to imagine mm-hmm. that artists are, are putting into their work. I mean, I, I mean, I'm someone who's not an AI fan. Like I think what I've ended up landing is that it, AI you like Alan takes into account a bunch of the, Oh, the, come on. That's the, now hold on. That's the, he's the answer in the context of this. And we will, there will be no Alan Iverson slander in this chat period. Wes don't, I know you're going to think of something or whatever you're thinking. Don't say it. Just put it in your little recycling bin in your brain and don't and just leave it there. Uh, 
No, I mean, my stance on AI, it's very similar to Western that it has the potential to be a tool, but much like Dynamite, I trust people to be destructive with it more than do good things with it. Like if you just, you know, if I was a betting man, people are gonna F it up before they use it for good. But uh, what I'll say about the AI stuff is that ultimately it's derivative of stuff that already exists. And that includes things that are only really on the internet. And I think that just takes into account biases and things that we don't really think a lot about because where is it sourcing it from? You know, even when I see AI art that's supposed to be, oh, of people from different countries, clearly there's biases in how the faces look. And all of those are just things that I just take a lot of issue with when it comes to perceptions of people because the internet is a biased place that isn't representative of what the actual real world is like. So that alone leads to some problematic stuff. But to your point, Wes, AI doesn't innovate. It's basically just long-form plagiarism as far as I'm concerned. If, if we're just going to tap into the pure hater in me, it's just <laughs> long-form plagiarism. And, like, I just don't know if I have a lot of respect and integrity for something that's just taking what other people have done, sourcing it, and then whipping it up into its own thing that doesn't actually create anything new. And to your point, all of the greatest things we've seen art-wise, even things that have been derivative of other stuff, there's still a creative element of things they add to it. But even AI, it's never going to ever really be, at least where it is now, it can never add anything of substance, in my opinion, because regular people have adapted things that already existed. Like Spider-Man isn't a new IP, but Spider-Verse still took that IP and did something with it that AI could never have done. Right. To your point. And so, yeah, I um, I take a lot. I don't I think AI ultimately can, is going to be used for more harm than good, especially in the arts and that alone. Like if I was an artist, I'd be mad if an AI is using my art to generate other stuff to me. That's that's cheating or that's plagiarism at the bare minimum. If some, if, you know, if I went and copied what Brian drew online and just used that to derive my stuff from, people would give me a hard time. So why is it any different if you use a program that does it on a bigger scale? That's why I'm at I with think, it. On t- God forbid we talk about the political manipulation of fake news and stuff, uh, implications, which God, it's not even, I don't even want to open that. That's a whole nother pod. <laughs> I think that's why this episode of Black Mirror was like so fascinating to me because... Uh, not only was I watching it on Netflix and, you know, in the show, they're basically depicting Netflix, like putting out this content that is making derivative shows off of real users, everyday lives. Like that's kind of what Netflix does. Like they, like all, like a majority of the stuff on Netflix is just derivative. Like, yes, it's human made for the most part. Uh, but a lot of it is just content, right? It's not like you wouldn't you wouldn't call it like worthy of uh, anything greater than that, or like you know, Wes is like talking about the soul in these things. Like a lot of the stuff that Netflix puts out is soulless, really. Uh, and and it you know it's an imitation of them trying to bank off of other things that have made money, and so they're they're just like churning that out factory style derivatively and if they can find a cheaper and faster way and a a more tailored way to all their users they will probably do that and that's exactly what is happening in Jonah's Awful it's terrifying (laughs) so Uh, for those who haven't seen the episode yet if you're if you're not going to watch the episode but want to understand what it is the premise of the show is that we we meet Joan and then she, we, she goes through her day it's it's a particularly rough day and then when she goes home that night 
on her Netflix analog Streamberry account, she finds this show called Joan is Awful, and her and her boyfriend start watching it. And basically, it's like a recap of her day um, <clears throat> uh, in a in like a dramatized way. So they they just show like the different scenes where she's had something happen that was kind of interesting or like awful or you know hard. Uh, but her she is played by Salma Hayek um, in the show Ooh-wee. in the show that she's watching. Uh, even though they don't look alike, they just kind of give her some of her characteristics, and then they kind of like spice up some of the dialogue a little bit to seem like, to make it seem a little bit more, uh, you know, catchy. And then, um, and, and then we find out that actually the Salma Hayek is AI generated, so it's not actually Salma Hayek playing it. Uh, Salma Hayek has just licensed her her likeness. <laughs> Because she couldn't be there to shoot this, you know, show all in one day. Like, they just have the computer make it uh, so that the um, the show can be put out that night. And then everybody can watch Joan's show. And then the CEO later says that she wants to make a show about any of her users uh, so that they can all watch themselves. And what Savan was talking about in terms of, like, this negativity is there's a discussion around whether people would watch a show that's called Joan is Awesome. And she says that, no, people like to see themselves <laughs> in a more negative view. We, we, we focus on the negative aspects of our lives and, or of our qualities. And so when we, when we watch a show where it tells us how great we are, we don't vibe with that. We're like, no, nah, that's not an inaccurate statement of my life. But when, when they see shows where they're doing something you know, negative or things don't work out, that they really latch onto that because it kind of it confirms their worst fears. And so it's like like an awful indictment of of the way that we perceive ourselves and consume media and how we're really looking for ways to like neg ourselves um which kind of makes sense i mean that that is some of what we do right our our negative self-talk that can happen in our heads for some of us dude um, the whole far, internet far is outweighs based around the positive yeah, yeah far outweighs the positive you know messages that we tell ourselves yeah dude the whole internet is based around like rage baiting people and you know twitter is based around articles that focus on maybe like a very niche thing that's not indicative of reality but if you piss enough folks off they're gonna click and they're gonna engage with it right you know i could if i made a video of me just riding my bike down the street chilling petting a puppy nobody would care but damn it there's a video of me riding down the street and i kick a puppy shit that'll be front page of the internet people mad hey who is this guy like people (laughs) want to be there's a reason our news cycle doesn't talk about happy chill things happening in your neighborhood (laughs) it's about how everything sucks in the world is on fire whether we like it or not, we are drawn to watching train wrecks. Whether the train wrecks are other people or our own lives, uh, yeah, negativity drives. Uh, what is it? They use the word engagement. So not even like people are watching it and enjoying it, right? They didn't even talk about it in that lens. They just said engagement. They don't yeah. care if you are enjoying it. They don't care if it's critically acclaimed or if you're liking it. But if you're engaged and looking at it, that's good enough for them. You know, we've talked about in the past about, like, people hate watching shows. Like, oh, I hate this show. I'm going to watch it all. I'm like, they got you. They got you. So I think this really sums up, like, what Black Mirror seems like it's about. It's, like, it's not so much about, like, what particularly happens in the episode. It's just, like, the way that your mind watches this and then is, like, oh, like, yeah, there are things that happen in the real world that are like this. And it makes you – it 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 asks you to confront those realities in your own life and the realities of our society um, in a way that's like fun and inventive and engaging as well. Right. So it's a meta <laughs> in this one, it's a meta like engagement um, um, piece. So really cool. What would, 
your show look like if it was like Savan is awful or Brian is awful or Wesley is awful? What <laughs> what would your show be about? I'm pretty sure it would just be like all my worst moments as a teacher where I've like yeah, your gone, be gone off the want. handle. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind the exaggerate. Also, his thing, right? Because this right, is other thing. Exaggerated a little they bit. Exaggerated and like enough to where if I was Joan, I'd be like, hey, yo. Yo, that's not how that happened. Right. Kind of how it happened, but like, God forbid, Wes, I would watch <laughs> Wes is Awful every effing day. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here Wes, for this. It would just be all just, the bad things I say that shouldn't be said. Yeah, Wes God, getting canceled Kai, by his that high whole school story students. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when Wes went to play cars with his friends, and they let Kai in from the last one to what we're loving episode, they just gonna take that part and make it seem like you just locked a baby in a room. <laughs> <laughs> or it'd be like, Torturing it's, I his bet you they daughter. would do something like... <laughs> Yeah, they would do something horrible like, oh, like in real life, I gave a fist bump to a kid or a high five or something like that. And then they made it like I was like uh, a predator of like one of the kids or something like that or grooming them. Oh, my God. Like, it would for sure be something like that. I I can see you doing a fist bump. Right, I can see I can see Wes doing like the whole he tries to high five a fist bump a kid. That's what happened in real life. But then in the show, it's him like kneeling and doing like the Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Just yeah. the fake solidarity thing. <laughs> oh, oh man, I would I would that would be some good that would be some good entertainment. Uh, I feel like Savan is awful. Would just be me. Looking like a know-it-all dick to everybody around me, <laughs> but just turned up to like from like a seven to an eleven. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I won't pretend that some of those things about myself aren't true, but man, I feel like they really make it. Like I feel like the show will just turn me into the well, actually, <laughs> push it, well, actually, but just in real, but just to ten, <laughs> I will be the most insufferable person. Just Savon going down the elevator. Hey, good morning. Well, actually, <laughs> in some places, <laughs> it's rude. <laughs> yeah, it's just actually, it's rude. oh God forbid, any of our apex interactions. <laughs> oh my God, apex would be the worst. <laughs> Me on the game, just being the most obnoxious teammate. <laughs> they would clip to my friends being played by other actors, and everyone just rolling their eyes. Like people trying to start a session without me. I don't know who I want to have play me, but I mean, I guess it'd be someone who's. I think Lakeith Stanfield would be a good. He, I, I like him. Yeah. And Savon is awful. I feel like if it was gonna be like an awful person though, or like an intense person, it, Lakeith is pretty laid back in most of his stuff. I feel like it'd have to be someone he's, more. He's too cool. Back. He's too cool. Yeah, I'm laid yeah. back. You could be a laid back and also be a know-it-all dick. Like those things are mutually exclusive. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I want think, it to be the yelling version of you, though. <laughs> I think it would be. Uh, it would be Jaleel White, and he would be like, "Well, actually." You know, with glasses. Oh, God. Wait, Urkel Jaleel White? Urkel (laughs) Jaleel White or Cool Jaleel White? You know, Steven, right? What was his name, Not Stefan. Not Stefan. Stefan? Not Stefan. Well, actually, guys. Yeah, I would... I could not watch that show. I would break my effing TV. Like I get why Joan went into the show and was like, "Hey, yo, this I, I can't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. I'm so sorry." I love that or show, Brian. and I love that Carl Winters. I think that's his name, the guy who played the dad. I love yeah. that he like sometimes will still make like self aware commercials, like his TV dad commercials on for like Progressive or Geico or whatever he's doing right now. Like 
it's just him being, you know, the same dad uh, or like he's, playing off of an extreme version of, of that character. So. He's America's dad. He's yeah. everybody's dad. I love it. Well, Uncle Phil's my dad, so. Fair. But, you, you know, I love, dads. I love, well, well, his name was Carl in the show, right? I think so. So yes. I, I love Carl. Carl too. Winslow. Okay. What, what, what about Brian is awful? What does that look think, like? Is that just Brian, Brian is like, awful? Yeah, what is Brian is awful? What is that I show I think it would be just like? be like. The worst OnlyFans channel ever, where it's just Brian procrastinating all the time. <laughs> it's like, get off the internet, buddy. She's not doing anything. Wait. Do your work. <laughs> stop. You stop always tell doing us how Google busy image you are. searches of actresses. I'm busy not doing work. <laughs> all right. Hey, I'll be in the show as long as you can put Salma Hayek in my show, though. I'll be in that thing. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> also, like her being beautiful aside, she was like one thing about this episode that really stood out to me was uh, that she was down. I liked. Wait, yeah, I mean, one that she was down. But I think what was funny is that once you start to once they kind of establish that the world we're in is actually like the first layer of the little alternate reality thing. I like that you it starts to recontext. Like this is one of those shows that it's better on a second rewatch. Because now you see just how exaggerated everything in her world already was. And even the joke that Michael Sarah makes about, look at your apartment. This is a nice apartment. You can't afford this place. Or, look at this home you live in. And even in the start of the episode, part of me was like, yo, her crib is nice. No lie. The first thing I, I saw at the, the beginning thing. of the episode, first time I saw it, my first thought was, yo, her crib is nice. And not in like a, oh, how does she afford this way? It was just, a, it just stood out like, yo, this is a nice effing crib. And I'm glad that clearly they wanted that to be something viewers latched onto a little bit because they said, "Hey, yo, look at this. This ain't realistic." <laughs> so I, the 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 campiness of it, they really leaned into the silliness in the camp in a way that makes the episode better on rewatch once you know what the twist is, and it made me appreciate uh, Sama Hayek's performance of just being this exaggerated fictional AI version of herself, <laughs> and a lot of the really funny self-aware jokes like. It wasn't trying too hard, but it was just stuff that made me legitimately just laugh out loud. Seeing all of the co-workers in the fictional world laugh at the second layer of their fictionalized selves. So even like, what was it? The um, the co-worker who was like the assistant to Joan, who was the gay dude who was on the in the off, you know, back home with his partner, and they're talking. And I'm like, this is a fictional version, but then their fictional fictional version is even more ridiculous. You know, I I really appreciated the people around you also having to deal with these ridiculous portrayals of yourself. And yeah, this was a really silly episode that the silliness didn't undermine the larger point about negativity and how we consume negativity. And what does that mean for how we actually are engaged with content? Cause everybody was watching Joan is awful. And let's just keep it a buck. If this was real amongst our circle of people, they would all be watching it. <laughs> yeah. And I, don't I mean, know, I would definitely watch Wes is that. awful. <laughs> you'd be like wow i'm, I'm a day sucks. one fan day one fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything everything definitely felt perilous um in terms of social like relationships right all of that felt like oh well she's just gonna have zero friends now everyone's gonna think she's a horrible human being <clears throat> yeah it was ultimately it was entertaining i enjoyed it and you know uh even and even like the stuff they didn't spend too much time going on, but like terms of service and your likeness and all that is stuff that, as we talked about, we're going to have to wrestle with this stuff in the next few years for real, for real. Of They've already passed laws about terms of service and, you know, how long the term of service thing has to be and all that, but and people not realistically reading it. But 
as we can see with our laws, we, you know, people be rolling back important stuff on the regular. So what is going to happen in the next five, 10 years when it comes to terms of service, likeness? What do you actually own? People's data and, you know, your likeness already exists all over the Internet and a bunch of other means. At what point are people going to monetize it for actual entertainment, not just for, you know, building psych profiles on citizens? Right. Like, I think some people actually rather have a psych profile built on their online presence than a show based around their online presence. <laughs> so what is that going to look like? What are the implications? I don't know. But Joan is awful kind of hit home in a way that's like, bro, if people had the technology, they would effing do this. The only thing stopping them is technology existing. That is it. <laughs> All right, so we also watched episode two of the latest season, which is called Lock Henry, um, and this episode holds up a a magnifying glass to kind of the true crime documentary or true crime podcast, you know, things that we're really interested in, uh, CNN homepage, you know, all of that stuff, and sort of this this capitalization on the suffering or the violence of real life human beings. And and there's kind of this mystery that's baked into it, so it's 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 its own, you know, true crime documentary to begin with as well. Um, Brian, you're a filmmaker. You've directed. You've edited. You know, you've you've done. He's won awards. Yeah, won I'm award winning, my awards. friend. There's an Emmy. Um, you've done your own production. What's it like for you trying to balance like what you do? as a, a creative, you know, as, as a director, as a movie maker versus what's marketable, what you can get funded. Like, how do you wrestle with those conversations in the show? They have a discussion around like, well, I want to do this, you know, and I don't want to do this. And, and one of the other characters, you know, says like, we, we should do this. People are going to watch this. Like, this is something that people are into and will have some, some impact on, on other folks. You know, how do you sort of wrestle with those conversations in your head, or do you do you generally side on one one side of that uh, conversation? So, I would say this episode is spot on for what goes on in the documentary filmmaker community. Um, just to give a brief recap, Ooh, right? Wait. This this is a story about uh, two documentary filmmaking students who go back to this one guy's hometown. Where they're 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 trying to make a very sleepy, real life documentary about some egg farmer or something like that, right? Like some shit that nobody cares about. The egg guardian. And then and then the you know one of them realizes that like oh wait there's this really grisly serial killer uh, rapist person going about and and he's responsible for my compatriots or my boyfriend's uh, father's death. Like, that's an amazing story. Like, we should pivot to that and make that documentary because people will watch it, right? Like, and so the conversation that they have where she's trying to convince him to drop the other one because that only that's only interesting to a room full of other 12 documentary filmmakers and nobody else um, <laughs> versus this other true crime thing, which is which could be seen by millions of people and be interesting and lauded and whatever, we should pursue that. So that that key argument that they have around that is something that every documentary filmmaker wrestles with, like, all the time. Like, who are we making this thing for? It's something, like, I have an issue with, like, my own project right now that I'm trying to, that I'm trying to like, make happen. I'm like, well... 
uh, my sensibilities are the boring thing, right? My, <laughs> sense of, my like creative desire is to do the boring thing. Uh, it might be fulfilling for me, but then there's a real side of things where it's like, well, what's the point of doing it if no one sees it? Uh, and why not make something that gets seen? And also, maybe perhaps more importantly, if it's something that is more commercial then there's money to actually make that thing, right? And and so, like, that money question is a very big part of this because making movies is quite expensive. And so if you are trying to do something that nobody's going to watch, like, how are you going to pay to make that thing, right? And, like, how are you going to pay yourself? So, like, these are all questions that come into the fold all the time. And let's not even... Like, this isn't even touching the ethical questions of all of this as well, which, I, you know, I think we're going to we'll get into a little bit with the whole true crime genre that is on display in this episode. So it's like I, you know, as soon as that conversation on screen happened, I like turn to Anna and was like, holy shit, I have that. I have that same argument with people <laughs> all the time <laughs> where we're always like, well, what if this had some murder in it or like what so my own project <laughs> right i'm kind of like what if it had some murder what if uh why like it's maybe it's a little mundane maybe it's not and i'm kind of like well it doesn't have life or death stakes so maybe it's not that interesting anymore and and you know i end up feeling discouraged about it and i got to be reminded like well not everything needs that but if you look at what's on streaming Right, what's on Netflix, what's on HBO. Life or death consequences for a lot of these stuff. So it, it's it's part of the game. It's part of the game. Brian, speaking of scenes that you saw on on the screen, there's a kind of a montage of them editing in Adobe Premiere. I don't know if you use Premiere. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah. did you did were you like uh, that shit I don't want to look, look at that fun. right now? That looks yeah. so stressful to look at. I'm like, oh yeah, I couldn't do this. <laughs> You couldn't pay and me to do this. I was like, all like, the time that they were probably compiling. and I'm like, there's no way they're doing this in a few days. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> That project looks like it's at least a six to eight month edit. Like, <laughs> where are their assistant That's editors? How are they it. doing this? That took them out of it instantly. Oh, yeah, no. They didn't take long enough. Yeah, they had to digitize Lost hours me. and hours of tapes, right? They had to... Yeah. They I was had, like, do they to, have like, super computers? It. How are they doing this? <laughs> they had that quantum computer. They had the Jonas Awful computer. They had that thing running. They had to smash in every little, like, scene drop in from the newsreels. Yeah. That was, that was a lot. All right. Uh, okay. So... I think there's a lot of big questions. Brian already alluded to one, you know, about like the capitalization on violence on, on people's traumas. Um, Savon felt like the twist was pretty telegraphed. I didn't, I didn't really see it well, coming. The fact that there was uh, a twist, not what the twist was like. Okay. When they were looking into the murders, I, I felt like, okay, there's gotta be like these murders. There's clearly more to this. There has to be something we don't know. It was just a matter of what is it that we don't know. And I'm in my head, I'm thinking, okay, that's going to be the twist, but how are we going to get to this point? And the, keep in mind, the twist still caught me for a loop. Like, I, I knew there was a twist, but, like, how it played out, I had zero idea. Oh, I see. I thought I thought maybe Ian Adair was actually still living or something, or it was, like, the friend. Yeah, like, know, we knew there was like something. Yeah, we okay. knew there was something more to it. The question is, okay, what is the something more? I had, hint, I had a, like, well, can we, can I just answer that now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, spoilers. Up, I, yeah, spoilers at this point. I mean, I thought that the dad had something to do with it because I'm just like, all right, his the dad's dad? dead. He's this. No, the um. The, the, dad, dad. the dad who was the cop who got shot, right? Because right. in my head, I'm thinking, well, he's in all this archival footage. He was there at the thing that happened. Uh. I don't know exactly what it is, but in my head, I'm like, I don't know. He just feel, he, they feel like they're focusing a lot on someone who's been dead for so long that otherwise it feels like maybe they're not going to be that important. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, he has something to do with this. The how and specifics, I had zero idea. And then the part with the mama, I didn't even remotely, like, that completely blindsided, like, that was, you know, in football, somebody just get hit and they didn't see it coming at all. <laughs> like, that was me thinking, oh, I see what's up. Bow! Oh, my God. <laughs> knocked out got of blindsided. <sighs> Come on, they had to put me on the bench for a minute. They had to do the little putting Blue the flashlight tent. in my eye. Yeah. <laughs> when she came out in, in the, the nurse's tent. outfit and the drill, I was like, oh, my God. I, like, oh, my God. I was stunned. Oh, I was, I was stunned. cringing. I was like, yo, what? Like, oh, you're twisted, twisted. I just, they caught me slipping, like, you know, especially with the internet and everything these days, it's hard to sometimes get caught by a genuine twist, and man, like I said, I needed a cigarette after that episode. (laughs) (laughs) I had to sit outside and just think about life. (laughs) Why What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm going to kind of go into the next part of the question, too, like, I was just like really blown away by it. I was like, oh shit. And like, I thought maybe it was the drunk dad because the drunk dad came over to him, you know, in the hospital. So I thought he was going to be like, yo, we like, you need to shut your trap or like, I'm going to murder you right now. And then afterwards, he came over like when it was dark and everything. I was like, now he's got a chance to kill him. Like, oh God. And then, and then Pia looked into the, the tapes and found like the recording later. And I was like, why would this lady keep all these things on tapes? Like, oh, that's, like, super sw- sick and twisted. Like, she wants, like, to keep these, like, keepsakes. And then she has them in her drawer as well. Like, oh, my God. Like, what a crazy, crazy they, time. They like, went the- all. It got worse the longer it went on. I'm like, okay. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's bad. Oh, yeah. it's bad. It's bad, bad. <laughs> right? And, like. The ah oh man yeah so it was just like oh man the dad was like maybe doing this for a long time before this and like Ian was just like the latest of his victims almost or like Patsy's you know hey, I mean Ian Ian, Ian was the this? the guy that got pinned with all the murders so my Ian understanding Adair. so my understanding of that with Ian Adair is that he was someone who might have been like they implied that he was a little bit I don't know if they implied that he was on the spectrum or he was just like whatever it was but he was clearly say gullible naive so my understanding was that. The couple was just manipulating him because he was easily manipulated, yeah. and, you know. And in the video, you see him. He looks like he's not into it the way they are. Not to say he's still not culpable, but, like, right. it's clear who the master, who the real villains are. Like, he's a villain. Uh-huh. They're, like, he's the Igor to their Franken, Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, 100%. And Oof. what does it say about me Brian? that, like, when the, when the reveal came, when, uh, you know, the filmmaker realized what was on those vhs tapes and that oh the mom is part of this the dad is part of this you know what does it say about me when in that moment i was like damn as documentary filmmakers they got gold they they really like oh they're gonna take this thing to the next <laughs> level that's that's like a that's like a dream <laughs> moment I was like, wow. Brian had the dollar you know how the car he had the dollar sign. He had the dollar sign eyes. 
<laughs> I had like like that's I had like something the extra the producer was asking for. <laughs> that's exactly what they needed. Brian reading his he reading his <laughs> award speech. <laughs> I just want to thank I want to thank the Academy. All oh the all the best that's like funny. all the best documentaries out there. It's like oh there's there's something they uncovered by doing the documentary and they're actually involved in like oh my god. I don't know if you guys ever saw the series The Jinx, right? Uh, about Robert Durst, and they, you know, they have, you know, they have tape of him saying like, "I killed them too," and it, it kind of like led to this guy's, uh, you know, arrest and and indictment and all that stuff. And you know, those are just kind of those moments in documentary filmmaking where you're like, "Wow, the you know, documentary really did something there." It, it like reached another level that would not have happened without the without the filmmaking and this was that moment on that show <laughs> and then, oh and then God, she died really <laughs> she, she died in a, in yeah. a chase scene ignominious death in a river a creek yeah which by the way i don't know if y'all caught the little callback line that that was like a callback to a conversation that her and the uh, boyfriend i think davis had earlier right yeah, he said, said they died oh, in deep water well yeah or, or no, not even a deep specifically they said uh Oh, how do people just go missing? And it's like, hey, man, it's out in the countryside. It don't take much for someone to slip and just go missing, like, innocuously unrelated to the murder stuff. And it's like, hey, that, it felt cheap for a split second. And then when I recontextualized the larger episode, I'm like, this makes perfect sense. If you're just running at night in an unfamiliar place in dangerous open nature lands, that that could exact very much happen. And so it's, it was really sad and rough to watch, but. The episode did a great job of every little twist that happened. They planted the seeds and they left the little trails of breadcrumbs to kind of hint at those things, right? Like, even though when they, when they first go into the house, the mama got the mask up on the wall. And you don't think anything of it. I'm like, oh, it's a mask. Whatever. I'm not thinking too much of it. No, it's the mask, yeah. right? And so I like the... For like a... This episode did a good job of just kind of... Uh, planting seeds and hinting at the twists and things that do end up being relevant later which i think a lot of shows that have like a mystery twist it can feel cheap if you felt like oh there was no hint that this could have been the case when actually in hindsight there's a lot of hints that show a things aren't quite as they seem with the people with the family i like but I that like video that camera wasn't right? like a mastermind oh well, I like that she wasn't a mastermind in that, like, at the end, she didn't turn into a villain, like, okay, now I got to, like, cover my tracks. I got to do all this stuff. It was just, like, the jig is up. The jig like, is all, up. <laughs> all, this, all this guilt that I've lived with, or maybe not even guilt, all this just, like, you know, knowledge of what I did. And she, it doesn't seem like she's still doing it, right? Like, she kind of lives in the past of, like, she did it that one time or she did it with the dad and that was it. But, you know, she's she's not out there to, like, kill Pia, actually. She's, like, trying to contain the damage a little bit. But once, once Pia escapes, she's like, "This is there's no coming back." She thinks Pia is gonna escape and like tell her story to the world. So she's like, "Well, I'm not gonna like." I was like, "Oh, you better burn all those tapes or do whatever, right?" But she was like, "Nah, it's it's time. Like this is." I think that was worse though. Like her destroying all the tapes and stuff would have like, for me, what made it worse and what made her character, the mom's character, so interesting is that you see her as this quiet, meek, almost broken woman. Yeah. And to learn that, okay, not only was she responsible for all this heinous stuff years ago, she, like we talked about a second ago, right? She has zero remorse at all. She right. has she she keeps the it. mask on her wall. She has a whole effing DVD, VHS set of just 
which you know in hindsight when you look back you're like oh my god that is so much just torture porn they just have there right yeah you see that she keeps a keepsake with boxes and if you look back at the, that scene where she looks at the little box a lot of the stuff in the box is uh stuff they took from the people that killed right like one of the brooches she has is something explicitly one of the victims had so like and she looks at it like oh man good times good times for me that was more eerie and terrifying because i'm like oh this quiet lady doesn't regret this in the slightest years later right and again it makes the suicide know that the son reads at the end that much worse right because when we see her about to hang herself you write the four and it kind of cuts off and you think i mean i thought she was gonna put forgive me right or some kind of some type of like explanation or i'm sorry or whatever and it turns out it's not a forgive me it's just a for your film i'm like wow so or even the lines where she's in front of the camera saying oh i haven't been in front of a camera in so long oh just, <laughs> oh all those lines and and yeah, even and right, the, and the wants, meta right? of that is even no it a hundred percent because the meta commentary is that she didn't destroy the tape she gave it to the son for the film so when the actual film the fictional version in the show came out they even used that in the documentary of her saying oh man it's been a long time in front of a camera so in their world, the documentary really shows like, oh, yo, she did not give a damn. She was even in that moment. But when she was still the wolf in sheep's clothing, reminiscing in a way that you, you know, words that have double meaning. Oh, I haven't been in front of the camera. No, it's because you haven't been raping and killing people in forever. And you just, ah, oh, the yeah, good old missed days. It. Yeah. Like, really, the more I think about it, man, the mom's acting performance was really, really good. And. Again, it's so good in hindsight once you learn what she acts like. The first line in the episode, she tells like the the son, right? Oh, you've managed to capture yourself one. Or uh, she said something that was like, it's meant to come off as racist and out of touch when you first see it, and you're like, oh my god, this old white lady just making this <laughs> black American uncomfortable with her just microaggressions, and it's like, no, bro, she really meant like you capture, capture one, like her. Yeah. capture one, like hey, nah, for her, she really it, double the double meaning, <clears throat> all of that, like that. I got to give props to the writers of just having any good mystery. I think you know how good it is based on how it is on a rewatch. And this episode is so good on a rewatch. So I just, I don't know, I had to. There's a lot of suspense at the end. I was very stressed. (sighs) Bro, me too. I was sitting there just covering my face. Pia dying actually removes some of that stress. And I I wish they hadn't done that. I wish she would have still been like trying to figure things out a little bit more. But whatever, it's fine. Um... All right, so the ending of this episode is uh, it's an empty, hollow victory, Pyrrhic victory. As, as yeah, Savon, we got to say, use the word. Savon might say, <laughs> put Pyrrhic, that word there. Pyrrhic victory, and I, I mean, I don't even think he feels victorious at all, right? Like he's the center of he he gets some attention and some notoriety out of it, but he doesn't feel like he's accomplished anything here. In fact, he feels like he's lost everything and probably lost some of himself as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about like the way that it ended about the award show and the way that they sort of start to put all the pieces together and kind of wrap it up for you? Brian, how did you feel at the end of that episode? Well, I think that's where the social commentary really comes into play, right? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the town is booming again because there's all this interest in the true crime documentary that's really popular. You know, people at the bar are wearing the mask or replicas of the mask that the mom had, which is that really was twisted, right? So they're awful. fans oh, they're awful. fans of this thing. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, you have the producer 
uh, who's talking about making the dramatized version of this and like trying to make money off of this thing, taking credit for it. Uh, and then you have the guy, you know, the the son whose life was actually impacted by all of this, right? Not only did he already lose his dad in it, which, you know, he wasn't interested in the project to begin with. He lo- He had lost his dad. Now he also lost his mom and he lost his girlfriend and his own understanding of his parents is tarnished forever. And so even though he's on the stage receiving the BAFTA or whatever, you know, he is now he is now completely ruined as a human. And you like I think you that's that's the idea that they're trying to communicate. You know, you see him alone in his room, he's hanging up on his friend. He is completely devastated by all of this. And while and worse so now it's all playing out. And no one seems to care for the rest of the world, right? Nobody nobody cares about that aspect yeah. of it. They just care about what they're deriving from it, not what they've extracted from that person. And to me, that is you know, that mm-hmm. is the biggest that is the biggest problem with true crime documentaries and or or like uh true crime dramatizations as well, right? It's just like you know, you you are uh, recycling somebody else's traumatic experience for everybody else's entertainment, and you know, I, and like I think that's a serious ethical issue that people have to wrangle with, uh, especially as as you're watching it, or if you're like me, if you might be part of making some of that stuff, right? Like making documentary is kind of exploitation for the people whose story you're telling. It could be. It could be. And that's that's a very dangerous yeah. thing. It's so funny to me that both of these Black Mirror episodes appearing on Netflix are kind of critiquing Netflix. Uh so <laughs> yeah. well, like what is what does that say? But Netflix is still co signing it. So that, you know that capitalism co- that capitalism corrupts all and us critiquing it has become a part of the actual system. <laughs> We're allowed to critique it as long as it still benefits from our critique. Yeah. And you can make fun of us all you want. Like the Matrix, same way, you man. know, the boys be making fun of like Amazon. Same way the boys be making fun of all this stuff and like, y'all on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's a good, I, th- I think it was a good introduction to these two episodes in terms of introduction to Black Mirror. Um, if people at home haven't seen them, would you recommend they start with these two or would you recommend they, they try other episodes first? Like, where would you be in terms of, like, where do these sit in terms of, you know, uh, an example of, of, or relative excellence in terms of the Black Mirror episodes? Brian? Uh, so for me, like, I really. I love the sci-fi stuff, right? I'm I'm into Black Mirror for that aspect. So Joan is awful. I think is is really is actually a really good example of when they have like this awesome, like kind of high concept. Here's this tech thing that you're familiar with, but what if we take it to an extreme? And like, what are the ramifications of that? And it's also entertaining. Like to me, that's a great example of uh, the stuff of Black Mirror that I I particularly enjoy. And so. I think that's a good that's a good jumping off point uh, if that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I think these episodes are good in the context of like what's going on in the current modern streaming era, you know, which funny enough, I was reading about the Jonas awful episode. Turns out that actually 
the writing and filming of that episode was wrapped up before the chat GPT stuff came out. So some of this is like, man, the timing is just kind of really, uh, what's the word serendipitous. I'm mm -hmm. fortunate, whatever. But, uh, nonetheless, if you're just thinking about what the modern media landscape looks like, these first two episodes are really good. Like if you want to talk about AI generated deep fake stuff, this is the first black mirror episode that really deep dives that in the same way. And then same with the true crime stuff. So I think these are more immediately relevant to what the media landscape is. But I don't think it means you can't start with some of the other seasons. You just have to have that context of a. So like some of the easy, so like like there's one season I think is a bit more thematically connected than others because it has a similar piece of technology that's used throughout multiple episodes. But I think if you're into it, you can start anywhere. If you just like that kind of short story X Files type storytelling format, you should just watch Black Mirror. Period because. I want to be clear, there will be duds just because of the nature of how this show is. It's anthology, but there's just so... I feel pretty good that there's way more gems than duds. And someone's going to find an episode that maybe it's not the one I like, but it's going to blow you away and have you sitting at... Black Mirror says a lot of episodes that have you just sitting afterwards like, damn. And if you like that feeling after watching something good, you should really watch more Black Mirror. Because even the episodes that aren't bleak, although some are, a lot of times you're still sitting there like, <laughs> damn. 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 I'm gonna damn. have to put that in my pipe uh, and smoke it. Yeah. Now, what I'll say about the I want to talk about the ending. I want to say one thing about the ending of the show is uh, this just solidified my feeling about true crime doc stuff in general. And this isn't me knocking people who watch it. You know, watch what you want to watch. But uh, and no media doesn't have its own problematic stuff. But I always just think, man, I would hate for the worst day of my life or someone in my family's life or the worst thing that happened to my family just be a tv show that people are watching and tweeting about and that's your sunday you know that's the water cooler talk like that jeffrey i'm gonna be keep it a buck that jeffrey Dahmer show made me very uncomfortable like i didn't watch it at all but the fact that it existed made me very uncomfortable it was there's <coughs> nothing to be in my opinion there was nothing to be glorified dramatizing it ultimately is disrespectful to the people who had to experience that it ultimately, I felt, lionized Jeffrey Dahmer in a way of, like, this dude shouldn't be a pop culture icon. People shouldn't be dressing as him as Halloween and making all these Jeffrey Dahmer jokes. Like, the dude was a serial killer. Like, let's stop pretending that there's a romantic, you know, romanticizing this type of stuff. But one thing that disturbed me in particular was uh, with the Dahmer doc, there was a scene where the families are in the court talking about, like, what he did. And apparently the show had a scene that was like a one-for-one one of what the family in court's actual conversations looked like and what they were saying. And so there's this video of the original of a woman, black woman in court talking about what happened. And she's crying because she's literally being re-traumatized re, being re talking about how this man murdered someone she cared about. And the show basically clearly used that hard reference and like remade it almost exactly down to the outfit and the hairstyle. And a part of me was like, yo, this is disgusting. I would hate if... Someone broke into my apartment, murdered me, chopped me up, did all this shit, did all this awful stuff. And then 10 years later, they making a movie about it. Everybody's saying, hey, man, you seen that documentary about that dude who killed Savon? Except the documentary is about the guy who killed me and they focusing on him. And I'm just like a set piece. And, you know, I'm just a and, and then there's people making bread off that, like making millions of dollars off of that. Something about that just inherently is disgusting to me. There's clearly to your point, O'Brien, there's a line between telling those stories and being authentic about it and exploiting it for money and i do feel in recent years we've swung way more towards the exploitation for money piece and i just uh yeah the more i think about it the more i just can't get down with it 
Like I would just hate. I'm just thinking about all the worst things that have ever happened to me in my life, which are tame relative to what happens in those true crime stuff. And if someone made a movie about it and was making bread off of it, I'd be livid. You'd also no, be no, dead. That, that was just that was like that was You'd my biggest up. takeaway walking away because I just because I, I felt so bad for the dude. I was just like, this is awful, and no one's expressing any sympathy. And then to wrap it all up, the suicide note said for your film. I'm just like, man, this dude lost everything. There's no sympathy. I know it's a fictional story, but this happens to real life people. Their lives are ruined and we commodify their stories for bread. And yeah, um, Netflix not going to, but I think Netflix also has their, what is it? The Menendez brothers documentary about those dudes who killed their parents. So like, clearly they don't give a diggity damn. (laughs) (laughs) They said, yeah, they don't give a damn, you know? So it's, but I guess that's how they want you to feel. So in that, if that's the case, job well done. I felt things. Not good things, but things. Yeah. I will <laughs> say enough. Black Mirror so, Black Mirror is yeah. definitely our our generation's Twilight Zone. But every yeah. Twilight Zone twist makes you reconsider what's going on outside of that episode. What's going on in the world. And uh, for that, hats off to Black Mirror. Yeah, they do a good job of making you just reflect afterwards. Like I said, not a lot of shows make you want to see. I don't smoke cigarettes, y'all. Not a lot of shows make me say, man, do I just need a pack of Marlboro 150s or however they measure cigarettes? I don't know. No, no. Only thing I smoke is Fools on Apex. (laughs) (laughs) He's smoking that West Pack. (laughs) (laughs) No, West is my squad mate. We smoke people together. Together. Me and Wes are smoking okay. that oh other en- enemy Stand squad corrected. pack. Was it yesterday? You were you were destroying people. I don't, two days ago, I think. I was on that. I was on that. I was on that pack. He was he was <laughs> kicking butt and taking names, bro. All right, mm-hmm. well, let's wrap it up there. So, Black Mirror episodes out on Netflix. If you want to watch them, uh, if you want to see the the sort of ramifications or the the ramifications for where our technology can take us and where our social media and media consumption can take us. Uh, our our darkest desires, you know, and how that can sort of lead us astray. Uh, Black Mirror holds up the uh, the microscope, the magnifying glass, the binoculars to uh, to all of that. So interesting. I think they hold up show. the mirror. <clears throat> Surprise! The mirror, so to speak. Yes, the mirror, so to speak. Uh, all right, that'll do us. Uh, hit us up on Instagram at confidently underscore pod. Uh, we'll come back with. I don't know. A whole smorgasbord of stuff is coming out in, in the near future. Indiana Jones is coming out. Mission Impossible is coming out. All kinds of stuff. We'll see what we can see. Uh, I know I'm going to be traveling a little bit, so I may be a little bit less available to uh, to check out some of this stuff, but hopefully we'll get a chance. Uh, Barbie coming out soon. I don't know when, but soon. Woo! I know Savon's, Savon's waiting for that. It looks awful still. Um, but they're you marketing see Oppenheimer. Don't come with that. Their marketing uh, looks top tier, top notch. So, uh, so that'll be good. All right, it's good talking to you guys. Always. I'm tired now, though. I gotta go eat. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'll get you some hungies. Okay, bye. Later, dude. Bye. <laughs>